0: Wait, please don't tell
1: me that that actually happened. Did that
0: actually
1: happen? No, literally. No, it did happen. No, it did? Oh my. Do you feel like when you're watching a TikToker, like you know the person if they're only putting out micro content? So long story short, her cat actually lived like it was totally fine. There was nothing wrong with it. We went from 25,000 Instagram followers and that's it to now 10 million followers plus across all of her social media channels.
0: Hey everyone, this is Aaron Ashley Simon. I'm a broadcaster, an entrepreneur, and also a culture disruptor who's redefining what it means to be a creator. Welcome to Real Gems. This episode, we're going to be talking to people behind the scenes who have helped creators to pivot and adjust in order for them to become more successful. Today, I'm speaking with the CEO and founder of Slash Management & Studios who has worked with so many different talent across the board like singer-songwriters, Dinah Jane, as well as Moxie and also presley you may know her from dance moms please give a warm welcome to jake webb hey how's it going
1: it's going great how are you
0: okay i'm fabulous because one i'm so appreciative that you all at slash were helping me with this podcast for those who don't know this guy over here is one of the people who really helped to bring this podcast to life, so I gotta give you, I gotta give you <laughs> claps for that. So I really appreciate oh, it.
1: No, we were honored you asked, so thank you for being here and thank you for this production. Yeah, you know?
0: and I'm also not the only creator and influencer you all work with. Mm-hmm. We mentioned some of them in the intro. And it's been amazing, like even this this space, like eventually you all will get a chance to check it out later on in the BTS will drop, but this space is amazing. But Thank I have you. to ask you, how did you get into this? You know, you, you had management,
1: mm-hmm. then you made
0: studios, and it seems like you're gonna add more hyphens to it later <laughs> on, so.
1: Which we'll get into that too.
0: Yeah, what's your start?
1: The long and short of it is, I was already a talent manager in the digital media space. And mm-hmm. I can tell you okay. more about that later, how I got into it, but, I was doing it and I was seeing that this kind of key differentiator what was going to really help my clients elevate themselves and take their careers, their media ecosystem, their social media to the next level was this space that we're in slash studios. So before every talent management company that I had seen and kind of like been working with was just on their own and it was just the strategy for the clients. And I really wanted to have this home that we could have as like a creative community center so that these spaces could not only provide the tools to our clients to really, again, like help them with whatever they're doing, whether it's like a brand deal or like a podcast or photos or anything, but really it was about community because the key with social media is building community, whether it's like you with your audiences or whether it's even like the creative community space itself. So um, really kind of how it happened was if I'm being real, like too many margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> and like my current business partner, Heinz Holba, he owns New York Models, LA Models, LA Talent, and a few other agencies. Yeah. He also owns this building. Oh, okay. So he had been, I'd been uh, consulting for him for a minute um, just on the side while I was already doing talent management. And he had been asking me every year since I was uh, consulting with him, please come and start our digital division at LA Models. Like, we need you to be the head of our, like, social media. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going to be in LA Models. Like, I don't want to be pigeonholed in fashion. Like, I'm big entertainment 360. I'm doing everything. So I just kept saying no year after year. And I was, like, doing my own thing. Like, I was building talent. I was, like, building brands. I was doing it all. And then one day um, he sends his (laughs) ex-wife, who's, like, this French ex-model, and he has her take me out to drinks, and I didn't know that this was like a grand plan of theirs to like have too many margaritas, <laughs> get me all aflutter and excited. And then she kind of like says in this like um, Tuesday happy hour, I'll always remember it. She like pushes these like margaritas to the side, and she's like, "Babe," and I'm not gonna do my bad fr- uh, French accent, but she has this like <laughs> French accent, and she's like, "Babe, we don't want to uh, hire you. We want to partner with you. Let's start a company, and also." Right then is when she actually told me they own this building. I didn't know that, by the way. I just thought they, like, rented yeah. it or something. So once I found that out, that kind of kicked everything into high gear. And I was like, wait, you guys own this space? Let me check it out. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, the next day, nursed a hangover, to be honest. <laughs> and I was also like, wait, was that <laughs> legit? Was that real? Did that actually happen? And it did. So came to the spaces and... At the time before um, we moved in, it was exclusive casting and exclusive artists. So these were two other agencies that were in the space. They had been untouched for like 20 years. So these agencies were just kind of like all like renting the space, but no one was really owning it or taking care of it. And because it was a casting studio and you'd have like actors coming in for like commercial castings and auditions and things like that, there was so much traffic that they just like, again, weren't keeping it nice because there was no incentive to then the pandemic happened and that like overnight made the whole casting process like go away cuz it all went to self tapes so like where we were like one room in this building like just starting out as like a little startup next thing you knew like this whole building was ours and what was crazy was like during the pandemic at the first month like it really was freaky for everyone all of us were like so stressed but thank God, um, for whatever reason, like we really, as the digital industry, were like the kind of like pipeline to anything. So we actually like, for us, we were in a really unique position to have like that actually help our business and scale it much quicker. So then like literally overnight, we kind of was like, okay, let's take over the space. Let's start renovating it. Let's start like kind of planning into what we want it to be. And we just had this like blind faith vision of like, okay, cool, let's start like building out these studios. Let's start like teaching ourselves everything. And now, like, three years later, we've built out all the spaces. We've got all this equipment. We've learned how to, like, do everything. And now it's just about, like, how do we do more, you know? How do we keep on keeping on? (laughs)
0: Keep it on. Maybe you got another Margarita Tuesday to keep it going, <laughs> coming come with ideas. you tell me. <laughs> oh, this Tuesday? No, just kidding. Uh, but with Slash, it's that, I'm sure there's probably a meeting behind that name because mm-hmm. you do management, you have this studio, studios, and you're gonna have more on top of it. So was that kind of the inspiration behind the name? Is yes, we may start with one specific thing, but we do plan on adding more elements to the business.
1: Very, very, very astute. Yes, that's a great observation. That's very kind of, like, our direction. And to be honest, my whole career, like, I was always – everyone called me the Jake of all trades, which is, like, a joke, but it was also what people told me not to be. They were like, Mm. don't sell yourself that way. Don't brand yourself that way. They were like, you need to specialize. And every mentor I had was like, you need to specialize. People need to know how to think about you. If they're going to know what opportunities to bring you, they need to know, like, who you are. So you can't say – you're a writer, director, actor, blah, blah, blah. You need to like specialize so people know how to think about you. And as much as I understood that, and I still understand that, and I understand it is important to brand yourself and have like a clear definition of who you are, I also understood that this media ecosystem is changing and like the demands for what we need to be as content creators or even just like celebrities with their own ecosystems, you do have to take on more hats and you do have to learn more, and there is more responsibility. <sighs> And so the joke was always like, oh, I'm an actor slash model slash dancer. And people would always make fun of that, you know. It was a joke. Now it's like the power where it's like, hey, the more that you're able to do, the more you're able to create opportunities for yourself. And so for me, I'm like, yeah, I love like my slashers. And like it is that where it's like I kind of saw the branding as like, hey, like I want to see the slash of who they are as people. Because you're ultimately still like human. You're multifaceted. You have so many different passion points. And actually – Social media, and especially TikTok, has really enabled people to unbox that and to kind of see like, I don't have to over curate myself and I don't have to overthink it. I can kind of like tap into these different parts and share myself and it, it's been great.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's an experience I had too, right? Where I started out as a broadcaster mm-hmm. and that was that's my main bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And from there, I've had to utilize that title and like you said, niche down to that specific area but then have it be what I like to call, it's like a pyramid, right? Where the top is the broadcaster, that's the tip of the iceberg, that's what everyone sees. Mm-hmm. But having that funneled down into other areas, other specialties, like I do producing work, I do consultation work, I'm an executive I own businesses. But really honing in on just letting people know about that. It's to the point now where whenever anyone asks like, who's Aaron, like what do you do? I'm like, Oh, it's, it's a long one, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's gonna be a long one. But it seems like you also have that as well, but I feel like we're both in this, I guess, area where we have to be that way because Mm -hmm. there's so many different voids in this space. Things are changing. Mm -hmm. Um, COVID really changed certain things. Platforms are changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole creator economy is changing. So from your experience, what have you seen in terms of like voids and changes in the creator economy that creators should be mindful of or aware of?
1: That's a loaded question. (laughs) I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing is during the pandemic, there was a lot of, like, pivoting. And I think we have TikTok to thank for this, to, like, short-form content. And what's really interesting is it created a lot of new names, a lot of new opportunities, a lot of, like, a new generation of talent. But what it didn't do was it didn't necessarily, for a lot of these new talent that came up, like really help them establish themselves with their audience to build their brand to really help to like convert that audience and turn it into like long-term success for like brands and themselves so i think the biggest change has been like hey our media consumption trends are changing but actually like long form isn't going away and there's a lot of like there's a lot of incentive with all within all the platforms to keep long form as like the um beacon and so to that effect what we're seeing is still for any creator that doesn't do long form content they usually don't have like a really good connection with their audience and they can't really monetize so i think the biggest thing i'm seeing is like hey like podcasting and youtube is not going away these things are changing and there is some like shifts happening in the ecosystem but if i were a creator that would be like my focus is like hey it still is community 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 since day one of social media and i still need to like really figure out my brand to figure out how i can like leverage that long form library I just keep it like building for myself, making money in my sleep, you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love that? Making money <laughs> in sleep and have that passive income come in. Totally. So I'm so happy you mentioned long form because I personally feel like long form is so important. Even if you're like a TikToker or you're doing YouTube shorts or anything, you still need to have that long form because that content is what really brings people in it and it keeps people to stay because they get mm-hmm. to know you better. So for all the creators that are listening in, hearing from you mm-hmm. as someone who works with so many different talents, why is it so important for them to have long form that complements the micro content they put out?
1: So, and I would say for this, like for you, for example, do you feel like when you're watching a TikToker, like, you know, the person if they're only putting out micro content?
0: No, I, I, I always view micro content as just introductions mm-hmm. where you get a little sense and a little taste of who they are, what yeah. they do, but, you have to consume a lot of the micro content to really get a better sense of of them Mm -hmm. and their character and who they are. And in diving further in, I think having the long form is like an easy way to just be like, okay, this is the kind of creator they are. This is what they do. It allows them to be funny. It allows them to show multiple sides of themselves. Mm -hmm. So I just view micro content as just more like intro pieces and very snackable pieces for those who may come across you. But it's the long form that I really feel like is like, okay, I I like this person. I like Mm -hmm. their vibe. I like their content.
1: It still is. It's 100% right. Like what you're saying is the micro content can be a means to an end to help market. And there's still so much of a really unique aesthetic that you can get. And like for me, I'm just so fascinated with all the technology that's happening that kind of keeps informing new content trends. But when you're talking about building like a media ecosystem, 100% it is still... How are you connecting with your audience? How are you getting them to care about you? And how are you getting them to move? And so it just goes back to traditional storytelling. Like since the dawn of time, we've always just been like cavemen trying to like talk to each other and relate and communicate. And so whether it's, again, like just telling stories in front of a fire or now it's like telling stories and communicating via like visual mediums the long form is going to be where you have like the most kind of um connective tissue with another person or you have that really chance to like emote and kind of get these people to know who you are and to kind of like follow up and what I love about it is you really do see over years with consistency and with like a good personality that like the audience grows with them and they really it's beautiful when you see how it unlocks for so many creators the capacity to really own yourself and have like your creative agency and have like you calling the shots versus like in prior, prior like media years, it was always, Hey, I have to work hard enough to get someone else to notice me and get them to hire me. And then also their decisions because they're the platform or they're the studio. And like, I'm going to have to shrink myself or, you know, flex myself a little bit to kind of like be seen in the way that they want to see me. So, I think I just uh, rambled on, but like basically <laughs> long form okay. is. is that's <laughs> <it? laughs>
0: <laughs> That's okay. That's okay because I, it's it's gonna be great for people who are tuning in to get all that feedback and and thoughts and perspective from someone who really has worked with so many different creators, all different industries, mm-hmm. and that long form and having having that long form be something that complements the micro content is something that can apply to any creator. Mm-hmm. I also like long form too because there's a little bit of like imperfections that come into long form. Like if it's not overtly edited, like I feel like when it comes to podcasts, It's a great opportunity for people to get to know these creators and talent who typically like you'll see them in content that's very well edited. Mm -hmm. But then you can see a different side of them in an unpolished, not heavily edited content piece. It's all about
1: authenticity at the end of the day. And I think like that's like the vibe where it's like you can kind of just kick it and people see like the real you and that's where it like, you really do see that. Like a lot of like the biggest YouTubers, like the most kind of like anti-editing where they're kind of going against the grain of like any editing standards. And that's part of like, why they love it the audience you know so i totally feel what you're saying
0: i also love it too because like when it comes to my career with broadcasting mm-hmm. they usually see me very polished mm-hmm. very like on point with high the script production value. high production value but then y'all missed it earlier when i did my intro i had to, i had like five cuts i had to do it over Yo, and over again i had to restart I, was like,
1: mine. I was you made me so nervous <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: over here stumbling over my words. And like, you know, it's and that's what I love about it because it's that relatability. I think also when it comes to creator economy, people forget that yes, these are your favorite influencers and creators, but they're humans. Mm-hmm. They're just like you and I, just like everyone else who's tuning in. Like we make mistakes. We, we say scripts over and over again. Like what you see in some of the content is just a portion of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's not everything that we are. And uh, speaking of that, You've worked with so many different talent of all industries, like I said, yeah. you, musicians, songwriters, beauty, makeup
1: experts, literally, in, e- literally everyone. That,
0: that's why the, the slash, you know, <laughs> slash slash lots <slash, laughs> of every client. Uh, talk to us about some of the clients that you have worked with. Uh, okay. We'd love to hear about that experience because I think that not only is it a great opportunity for people to understand the multi-hyphenate approach that your company is taking, mm-hmm. but I think it'll also show, like you said, that sense of community that all these different creators from all different walks of life are coming together for the passion of their careers and the content they're creating.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, okay, so at some point you'll have to stop me because I could talk about my clients like all day, <laughs> every ahead. day. But no, I again, I'm very fortunate because like what drives me is my clients and like being able to empower them and and being a talent manager, essentially like you're a coach. And so like it's your job to like coach your team and get them to be the best players they can be, to learn how to play the game the best that they can play it and to get to that, you know, finish line and make a goal or whatever they do <laughs> you know, in sports. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so for me, it really is about like, I really love that I get so, I'm so grateful that I have such amazing talent that are like hardworking, grateful individuals. So it becomes really easy for me to just figure out how to build a roadmap for them and keep them on track. And so to that effect, like I have this girl, Dinah Jane, she's, well, most everyone here knows her from Fifth Harmony. She was one of the original founding members. But for me, what's really exciting is to be able to take her at this point in her career, because ultimately, she was from the old like music industry and that music industry essentially like died 5 years ago. It yeah. doesn't exist any longer and the industry is still having a reckoning with like what it means to move forward and how like labels exist and what artist development means. So all that to be said, she was a girl who got in like this platinum award-winning girl group Fifth Harmony, went on that ride, but she didn't have like a talent manager for herself. She had a manager for Fifth mm. Harmony. So there wasn't anyone in her circle who was really fighting for her, thinking about her and thinking about like the whole visual, like image, sound, everything all together and seeing how you can take someone's like DNA of who they are, find out like their story, find out like their talent and see how you can fuse that together to like build this kind of like artist vision. And so because she was in the old music industry, it was like, oh, you know, Fifth Harmony's breaking up, let's like turn you into a solo artist. Let's talk to our trend forecasting data department. That's saying that like everything's going Latin. So let's like you know put you that way. And Wait,
0: there's a database that tells them the direction oh that gosh, the genres yes. are going. I the did not label, know that. The label, the
1: big labels, like that, and that's how they used to oh, do wow. it. Was like like they would make whole decisions on people's albums just based on like this like data department that was telling you like what things were going to be happening, what trends were going to be happening. Apparently that was why um, Lady Gaga went into like the whole Joanne situation. Wait, the, are you
0: serious? Yeah,
1: it's cuz like her record her record label told her to do that cuz it was all like a trend thing. I
0: didn't even know that was an internal thing. But
1: for me like I don't like that because I'm like mm. it's not like organic and it's not real. It's like you're just chasing a trend versus like organically like becoming the trend because of like you as an artist being like organic to your core and yeah. then pushing that out and then that becoming something that connects with an audience. So she's a Polynesian woman, and that was, like, no part of her story during her, like, solo career. And there was, like, a huge opportunity because there really hasn't been a lot of representation in, like, the pop music world for Polynesian artists. So there was a really cool opportunity to, like, fuse that cultural identity into the sonic, like, brand that she was going to be put Mm, out with. Did not happen. She ended up getting like very, very like frustrated with the whole like music industry and ended up getting so depressed by like what was happening with her artist project that she walked away from music completely oh, and wow. really thought that she was like she got in a really dark place. And so what I was really happy to do was now have we've been working together for a year now, so we were able to like come back and like build this foundation. She's refound her passion through music, but she's an independent artist now. So now she controls everything. Yeah and she has the say and she has that opportunity now to like lean into her potential to make so much impact and to leverage her power of her foundation and be like i am a polynesian pop star i am tongan here's my story and here's how i can give it to the other girls that have never seen themselves represented before so i'm very excited to be able to as a manager help her harness the power of her story help her brand herself now and help her have that experience of like artist development that she's never had and I actually believe that it's going to be the secret sauce that helps her find success because the music's really good, but also it's like the story is so impactful. Anytime that someone hears it, they're like, whoa, I never knew. And it's true. You didn't until now. <laughs> you know? I
0: also feel like you have to be willing to walk away from specific paths, walk away from specific goals to eventually get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um I've done that. I've seen so many different other creators who've done that where they thought that there's this one way that they were going and they received a lot of success for it. And then they just hit that point where it's like, okay, I'm not getting the support. I'm not being heard. I'm not able to be myself. And Mm -hmm. then leaving and then finding success through another pathway, even though it may not have the mainstream appeal immediately tied to it, they're happier in the long run with that pivot.
1: Um, That's crazy you say that. So tell me because... Yeah. I do agree. I think that, like, that happens a lot of times where you see a lot of really successful people and you see them at the height of their career and everyone's trying to aspire to be in that position. Yeah. But then later, like, you and I feel like we're seeing it on the news all the time where all these stars are coming back and talking about how, like, toxic these environments were, how horrible they were, But even though, like, from afar it looks like you're reaching the goal, you know? And I do see, like, now, like, I feel like a lot of talent are kind of, like, having that experience and going, that's why you're seeing so many like celebrities go into digital and just kind of mm-hmm. like be like, I wanna be the owner of my own ecosystem because I can call the shots. Have you experienced that as well like that?
0: Yeah, I honestly, that's that's my career. I started in like traditional entertainment. I started in sports and music. And at that time, I actually had people who told me like, you can't, you're not good enough for broadcasting. You don't fit the mold. Uh, the mold was- uh, What was the mold? Just like- the mold, I mean, the mold was white blonde. You know, you we know, know what we all know when the mold was back The mold then. was moldy.
1: It was very moldy.
0: The mold was moldy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, at that time, I mean, I, I get part. I guess part of it is like <laughs> I'm a little bit stubborn. That's my weakness and my strength, uh, because I have truly Same. felt that one of the skills that I or what I like to call my superpower is that I have the ability to make people feel comfortable. I've always had that, mm. and I really give. Kudos to my mom, because my mom raised me to be accepting of everyone, no matter where they came from, their differences, and, mm-hmm. and really be able to listen to, to people and their stories. Because there's something that you can take away from any of those, right? Mm-hmm. And especially like, people are tuning into your story. There's so many takeaways from this, right? But mm-hmm. The only way that you can gather it is by actively listening and, and truly listening. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I was like, all right, I'm gonna find a way, even if it's not what they said. The first step was I cut my hair.
1: Mm-hmm. I had
0: long hair for the longest time. Okay. I cut it to to make myself different mm-hmm. and dyed it uh, to give a uh, quote unquote like they call edgy look. Yeah. Then after that, I always had a passion for video games. I played video games my entire life, and I was like, you know what? I was starting to get some, you know, uh, support on that front. I said, okay, you know, I'm gonna go and, and take that route. And then eventually it was like one thing after another and I hosted a show for TV about gaming and esports and then it grew to the point now I am one of the go-tos in gaming when Mm -hmm. it comes to hosting. And that then allowed me to pivot back into traditional entertainment where now I'm getting hit up by the NFL, NASCAR, um, also even like specific networks like this is little this is exclusive, but like Ooh, even yep. like E's been hitting me up about Dang. potentially doing something, but I wouldn't have been able to get those inquiries mm-hmm. if I did not take that pivot and, and go into a different direction that at that time was not popular. Like mm-hmm. esports and gaming broadcast was not popular. But then eventually it became, but I stuck to it, got up my resume, got my reels together, fine-tuned my skill sets mm-hmm. to now where in both sides people are are interested. And it also grabbed the attention of my agency, CAA. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the reason why they said they selected me was because of the uniqueness that I took, mm-hmm. the ability to speak and convey my story and, and convey other people's stories on camera. Mm-hmm. And it helped me to get to where I am today. And you know, I'm actually interested in hearing from your perspective from, mm-hmm. from you selecting clients. Mm-hmm. What are the things that stand out to you when you want to Bring someone in for representation because I always tell people it's not always just about them having big numbers. There's yeah. much more to it.
1: Yeah. Well, first, let me just say like your story is so cool. Oh, I think it's like so, I love that because <laughs> I think one of the things that's like so true is so many times, because even I found that in my career where I was like, I wanted to be in traditional so bad, but I kept finding myself in digital and no one was paying attention to it or giving it any respect. And then overnight, digital became like the gateway to how people make money in a lot of different facets. So then overnight, I became like, oh, like, actually where I am is where everyone's headed and it actually became my superpower. So, and also thank you mom, she like killed it. Shout out to Mama Simon,
0: love you. (laughs) But,
1: when it comes to finding talent, for me, like really what I always look for is like a hero's arc. Like I always truly try and find talent that like have a unique story but also like their story is tied to just them being themselves and reaching their goals is gonna be impactful because it wasn't necessarily like supposed to be or it wasn't like written in the cards and like since day one, we have always been about, like, being one of the more inclusive companies. And, like, even for me in digital, like, that was how I built my roster from day one, was I was working at this company called Style Hall. It was essentially, like, they called it, like, the Vogue for, like, YouTubers, essentially. And it really was that, where, like, they were farming all the YouTube channels. They signed anyone that had a YouTube channel and made anything, like, fashion. Is it beauty. called – like,
0: is it, like, a – what do they call those networks? It's multi-channel, like a multi-channel network. – yeah. And MCN. MCN? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And, like, if you're OG, like, the MCN has such a negative connotation. Like, yeah. people are, like, ugh. Like, no. Because <laughs> so many people were, like, screwed over during that time and were given really bad contracts, really bad deals. But um, there is a value to them, and you just have to know how to use them and what to do and how to think about them. But I was at this company, and they signed every single YouTuber, but their bread and butter were, like, the Bethany Modas. So Mm. it was, like, all these, like, beautiful, pretty white girls that were just getting, like, all the cover girl deals, all whatever. And when I joined, I actually thought that, like, it was going to be a little bit different or maybe, like, the opposite because it was digital and because it was, like, the forefront of, like, the next generation of audiences, so, I went there and they kind of like basically told me to sign 500 channels, which were all the channels they were ignoring, which is 500 people, most likely, mind you. Jeez. Then they were like, figure out which 400 you want to ignore, which this is how they run their company. Wait,
0: what? They That's s- why they're no longer a company. Oh by my the way. gosh.
1: And then find out the 100 that you think you have potential for. And so it actually was crazy because I had access to like this company's database that were essentially all these people that were intentionally trying to put themselves out there on like YouTube. And I was able to find this initial roster of all these people that I thought were so unique or had like really cool vibes or like something was like connecting with me like across the screen. And I got to start my roster that way. So it was like, you know, trans, it was black creators. It was like plus size creators. It was a lot of like the pioneering of like, hey, how do we now have someone to fight for them to have opportunities and to see themselves represented in some of these like other media uh, places. And yeah, so for me, I'm like, that's kind of how I find them. Where it's just like referral is for like, you know, based on like, who's like have something that I can't describe. I say like, yeah. it's like, you know, <laughs> they have something. Um, but then they're always like for, of course, for us, we try and find at least like 100,000 ish followers with some sort of like engagement. Because for me, the way that I manage is I start digital, I help you make money on digital. And then because you're making money, there's no excuse not to develop yourself because I have all the access to yeah. all the tools that you need to become an artist, to become an actor, to become a brand incubator. So it really comes down to, hey, leverage yourself based on like your audience, help them to like empower you through just making money and keeping your agency. And then at that point, it's a matter of executing.
0: So you mentioned the creators that have 100,000 followers. Uh, I have to say, your girl Erin does not have that quite yet. I'm working towards (laughs) there. But I also understand that there are creators like myself who have other kind of beneficial elements that come with them. Mm -hmm. Like even though I may not have this mass amount of following and I'm really starting to build my own community after several years, I have the the power of influence and being on different networks and having different friends and and, and connections. Mm -hmm. Also shout out to my agency, POV agency, they come through as well, going back to representation. Uh, So for talent who may not have big followings, like before they even can get to someone like you who Mm -hmm. is a representation, Uh, for them what can they do to build themselves up to that point where you're like all right i'm ready to pull the trigger and sign them
1: you know it's always like an art not a science so that's why it's like sometimes it is about like hey it's worth the conversation even when you're at your place now because you have the pedigree you have the resume and there's clearly like a lot of business behind you so you're ready for management whenever ultimately like there's too much to manage alone and that's kind of like where it's happening so it's always worth the conversation because sometimes like even for me like i'll find someone i'm like there's something there like this person yeah. has it but also sometimes i'll be like you don't need management yet you need me in like three to six months and here's some free stuff i'll like, just give you so that you can get there quicker like just yeah. stay in touch and make it happen and so like i find that a lot of times that is it leads to success because a lot of times people like are looking for any sort of like guidance that they're being on the right track and then maybe just a little leg up for like you're doing some things right here, some small tweaks you can make. And now usually people see it actually like build itself like a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Yeah, it's, I always tell people for creators, like even when you have a representation, mm-hmm. you are the CEO of your business. Yes, always. So your representation should add on to what you are already building for yourself and doing for yourself. And mm-hmm. they're meant to elevate or to help you reassess things Yeah, and not necessarily like, they're going to build the plan for you. You can't like outsource it. I love that because
1: I always tell my clients that I'm like, you know, you're the CEO of your brand. I'm like your advisor. I'm like your operations person. I'm like your consultant. So ultimately it's my job to bring everything to you, to give you my POV, my POV, my recommendation. (laughs) Um, But ultimately it's up to you to decide what's going to be right for you and not. And like, that's why like sometimes like there's going to be something I'm going to present to you. I'm going to recommend we pass. And then we maybe we take it because you as the CEO are going to decide that that maybe is right for you for whatever reason or vice versa, you know? So it is like, I think that's a really good no. Like I always tell people, you are the CEO of your own brand. You have to be responsible for it. The minute that talent start getting, I'll call it lazy, but like whatever Mm. word would be where it's like they start getting complacent and just outsourcing a lot of things. That's where you start to see them suing people on their team because maybe of mismanagement. You really have to pay attention because a lot of times it may not be mismanagement. It may be a matter of like things aren't being paid attention and then you're not aligned because you're not communicating.
0: Yeah, and even if you are outsourcing, because that's something I'm, I'm learning to do mm-hmm. where I'm outsourcing, whether it comes to PR, whether it comes to specific things that I just don't have time for because mm-hmm. I'm I'm running also businesses on top of the work I'm doing, you should still be in the know, right? You should still be in those meetings. Mm-hmm. You should still have recaps of meetings if you're not in it. So that allows for potentially things to not be, you know, people for forget things or if there's a mistake or miscommunication. Mm -hmm. I also realized too that a lot of times when there's those situations where people are upset with people they outsource to, it's usually miscommunication. Like it's not like always intentional. Sometimes it's just something just falling through the cracks.
1: That's the biggest piece is miscommunication and I think that's why it's about having a good team and a really good manager. A lot of times like their job is just to get all the different pieces to work together to be communicating and also to kind of like have that experience and that like, again, it's like an art of like figuring out how to have like really crazy organized project management, but also be like this kind of fluid, strategic artist person and have it all work together. And then also like a lot of it is, it's just flexing to different types of work styles and communication styles. Because when you're working with people, so many people think differently, they move differently. And like, for me, it's like, hey, this girl needs everything in email, blah, blah, blah. This girl hates email and whatever. This girl, you know, or this guy, like, they all have, like, little nuances. So you have to just learn to listen. And, like, that's what it is. We're just listening and then yeah. being able to adapt.
0: One thing I did with my team is I actually set up Notion where the team can put, like, Uh, updates, recaps of meetings that I'm not in. They can also put like... Is
1: Notion like an app or something? So Notion
0: is like a management system. It's like a project project management management? system. But it's like an easier one. It's not like Asano where it's a little more detailed and tech savvy like with yeah. notion it's so easy like whenever i get press hits my pr team they put the link in they say who it's from the writer so we keep track of all those things for future you know for future purposes mm-hmm. we also will do meaning recaps so like if i bring in someone new on the team which i have mr ben over here who's my videographer i literally could just give him access to it and he'll have information on who's who's on my team Who does what? Mm -hmm. What was the last meetings? Like, what are the projects that are in, you know, that's happening? Project management software
1: is everything. Because that's how you can have a team to communicate. And actually, for me, like, I was just training my team on this because I was finding that some of my managers that I've been training were thinking that they were too busy to manage their Asana. We use Asana. But a Notion, shout out to Notion, too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> shout out to all the project management <laughs> Shout out to or whatever. <laughs> but no, like, for me, I'm like, you have to take that extra step to do it because that's how, like, a team can kick in. And, like, I see it. Like, when I have our Asana boards, like, complete, it's like, I can see everything. And then I'm, like, much better at being able to manage my clients and actually be able to, like, call out when things actually may conflict or call out when, they're, like, ooh, this is going to affect that. And I know that she has, like, certain things where she needs, like, extra deadlines. So we're going to, like, you know, cushion this a little bit more to help her out, protect her, um, and so it really is important, and that's how a team can be a team. So the tools are everything, in addition to the execution of good communication. Yeah,
0: and teamwork is everything, mm-hmm. and I would say teamwork is part of the, the formula when it comes to creator success. It's oh, not just their talent and skills, but you've got to have people around you who are really on point on the business side mm-hmm. as well, and, so, and also people who believe in you yes you really need to have people who believe in you
1: it's it's the good team and it is the belief 100 but i really do think that like it's so that's why i am all about making sure i communicate that when we're onboarding new people and making it so clear that like all of us are working for one vision and we're all working together i see that there's a lot of like younger people in the industry so there has been maybe like some people that haven't experienced seen the necessity to not undermine each other as a team like Mm, and that does happen because it can get political and sometimes like there are just like nuances and like stuff contacts but ultimately like if you have built a team and if it's the right team like when it really reaches like the secret sauce and it gets like really like good, it's because everyone's doing their jobs and they all believe each other and they all trust each other. And then it just allows everyone to go and do their best, you know?
0: And that's that's a pro that comes to, when it comes to like what you do, but there's also cons that come. Like not everything is sunshine and rainbows and, and butterflies. And I can tell you the amount of times I've always said to myself like, <gasps> I don't want to do this anymore. Like, what is going on? But of course, like, (laughs) I still have a passion for it. For sure. Uh, But when it comes to, like, the rewarding side as well as the challenging side, Mm -hmm. definitely would love to hear your perspective as someone who's on the -the behind-the-scenes crew and management.
1: So the rewarding side is when, like, you've... Like, for example, I have a client, Presley. She's someone I've known since she was 12 years old. And she's now 16. I've been working with her for four years and just incubating her from scratch. Like, we went from... Twenty five thousand Instagram followers, and that's it. To now ten million followers plus across all of her social media channels. We've now been able to monetize her from zero dollars to a really significant business for a sixteen year old wow. or any year old. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm like that <laughs> in my bank account. <laughs> but no, like
1: the, the cool part about it is like she was able to because she was exactly like. For me, the most rewarding part is like having the payoff happen for someone that is like deserving, and she's like one of the hardest working people I've ever met. She like truly puts her all into everything. And her brand is all positivity, which the world needs a lot more of. So now I'm very excited that she's signing like a music label deal for four albums that she's been able to incubate for herself with like a major studio. And this is like really the payoff of all the work that she's been doing for the last four years. So it is so exciting to like have that happen and watch it happen and you go Presley, (laughs) you know. But then, you know, for as much as like there's that, there's always like challenging times too. And I think the challenging time really comes from for me at least it's being a business owner because there's so many more challenges that come on top of like figuring out how to like deal with like the day-to-day of your roster and the nature of talent management is like you have to kind of just expect the unexpected and just like you know there's going to be some fire drills and you better like be okay with like moving some meetings last minute because things will come up (laughs) and just apologizing and making it happen later um but I think that's the thing. It's, like, the challenging part is, like, whether it's, like, again, managing my talent or managing employees, like, there's always different, like, problems that come up and you just have to always be, like, having the energy to always be able to know, like, that's always going to be the case. There's always going to be this, like, problem-solving environment in what we do. So you can't really let the, um, the kind of stress get to you because yeah. you almost have to le- learn to, like, embrace it and just be like, this is my normal, like... It's always going to be crazy. It's always going to be stressful. There's always going to be like someone freaking out, calling me because they left their cat in the dryer or something. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Wait, please don't tell me that that actually happened. Did that actually happen? No, literally.
1: No, it did happen.
0: It did? (laughs) did. Oh my God.
1: I had a client we were having, she was like the face of this huge brand launch. It was the day of the campaign launch. It was like a back to school situation. She was supposed to go live at 12 p.m. 12 p.m. rolls around. The brand's like, hey, where's the post she needs to go up you know and we got everything pre-approved and it was all good to go and then I'm like calling her she's not answering finally like I do get through to her like 15 minutes after the post is supposed to go live and she's like inconsolable like she's like crying and <laughs> like I literally like I have to like hey girl calm down take a breath because I can't understand what you're saying what happened and then she's like can Oh my and apparently this happens all the time. But like Wait, oh. dryers are like really warm, dark places. So like if you leave it open, cats will just jump in there. And so her cat jumped into the dryer underneath these clothes. She didn't notice it. She like started the dryer, then went and like played video games in like the next room for 30 minutes. Oh. Then was supposed to go live for the brand deal. But then she figured out about the cat. So long story short, we went live the next day. I was able to make it happen. I called the brand and like they understood they were cat people. And her cat actually lived. Like, it was totally fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Oh, thank so, gosh. cat's all good. <laughs> but it's like, you never know what you're going to be dealing with, you know, <laughs> ever.
0: I mean, listen, cat out the dryer, right? <laughs> like, cat cat's cushing. out the bag, cat's yeah. out the dryer. I know, Courtney jokes. We're not having many of on those. This on this <laughs> but that's, yeah, I mean, honestly, especially as talent, you never know what could happen. Yeah. Um, not only just something like that, but I also think even just simple as i remember last year I was just straight up told my team and it just hit me out of nowhere I'm burnt out mm-hmm. like I'm just emotionally mentally just i hit the wall and sometimes you can't really prepare for that because sometimes that wall will come whenever it wants to come and your yeah. body would tell you girl you need to sit down you need to chill out and I remember I had that but I still had like two other gigs to to go and I'm like i i, I don't we got to figure this out because mm-hmm. like I just i don't have it in me right now and yeah. So when it comes to navigating that with creators, how does one-on management or representation navigate when it is something that is less about like external factors and are more so like internal factors when it comes to creators?
1: That's what, that's so important for us. Like we really um try and make sure our clients are taking care of their mental health and like it's like we're not medical professionals, so it's never our job to ever like to push anything or like do that. But it is our job to help make sure like as a coach, do you have like your full health? Like, are you good? Are you ready? So for me, I always make sure all my clients at the beginning of the year start to like, make sure they actively carve out vacation time for themselves and like actually do it. So it's on the calendar because if you don't do that, then like there's gonna be so many opportunities that keep coming up and they're all gonna be so good. And then like, you're never gonna find the time for yourself to actually like give it to yourself. And if you have it, you'll covet it and then It will be protected you know and your team will protect it that way because it is so important as you see like there can be just so many things happening so that and then i think really it is that like checking in listening and then just like ultimately like mental health is a legitimate like thing and i've seen it like affect people if they try and push themselves through it too much so i would much rather figure out on the front end of like managing a client how to like build that trust so we can have that open like dialogue to like communicate about like being vulnerable, like and being real, because again, like part of our job as managers are to protect the talent. So like, we have to know what's going on to know how to like protect them and also how to like put all the pieces together.
0: Yeah, and it's so important as a creator and in talent that you have to be comfortable enough to tell your representation mm-hmm. when you're not doing well. You have to be comfortable comfortable to tell them when something's happening or what's going on. Mm-hmm. I know, not too long ago, I had to tell my representation that like my mom was in the hospital mm-hmm. and even though that's a personal thing, I had to be okay enough to let my team know, hey, I have to focus on this, Mm -hmm. or I may not be able to make certain meetings or things like that because of this. You don't have to tell anyone else, but making sure that you pick a representation that you feel comfortable enough to tell these things to. And you have to, like, Mm -hmm. no one can read your mind.
1: It's true, because you're the business, you're the face, and so your energy is everything. So you do have to like have that to protect yourself too, so someone can be in your corner. like vouching for you, essentially, you know? So for me, like, what I know is I do know that people are reticent to communicate sometimes sometimes, some things. And I also know from experience that a lot of times because creators are so used to being so on their own and, like, really, like, Mm -hmm. controlling everything on their own that they deal with everything on their own. And a lot of times, that's where we talked about earlier, like, a lot of the biggest issues just from lack of communication It's, like, that because they're bottling things up or it's, like, it just is, like, kind of getting, like, pressurized. So I always, and I've learned this to, like, in every meeting I have with my client, like, I always have, like, some sort of check-in to ask questions and it's not necessarily business-related. It's, like, how are they doing? What's going on? Like, just having that because usually if you ask, they will tell, but if you don't ask, then they won't, you know? Yeah. And it's just that for me as a manager, having the space to be, like, hey, we as managers have to somewhat, like, be wiser to make sure we know how to, like, bring people out but that, that way like that's yeah. your gift to make people feel comfortable like it's ours we have to be that way too
0: I ain't gonna lie Uh, kudos to my team because I'll be like listen let me tell you what happened today and like <laughs> they, they, they had to remind me Aaron we have a meeting we have to go over stuff I'm like yeah yeah I know but I need to tell you about what happened on this project and blah blah blah, blah. like yeah I mean it's it's strange it's like you guys have not of course you know you're not professionals in that mental health side of things, that's not your guys expertise, but Mm -hmm. it actually does help to have a team that you can talk to about things. And even a little bit vent because Mm -hmm. there's been many times where there's things that have happened behind the scenes on projects that I've done that like, I can't go to Twitter and talk about, I can't talk to my friends because I don't want that relationship to be tarnished. Mm -hmm. And, or just that experience to be tarnished. And so like, I would definitely, Ken, I saw Ken shake her head over there because I'll be like in their meetings, I'll be like, listen, I gotta tell you what happened with this project. Like, (laughs) I did not like what they did. But then it's like, once it's out, it's like, all right, I'm good. Uh, I would love for you to touch on this as well because when it comes to being creator talent, you're gonna sometimes work with brands and people and places that you may not like or Mm -hmm. may not treat you with respect all the time. I don't expect anyone to work with everyone that they love, right? Yeah. Cause not everyone's gonna like you. So how do you navigate those experiences and working with talent where you're like, listen, I know this company or this individual, it's a little bit difficult, Yeah. But bear with me. So how do you walk them through that?
1: Part of it is like um, on the front end when we're like kind of securing the deal, it's like making sure that we have everything we need to know what we're agreeing to and then it's a little bit of the experience of okay do we know this brand or this agency do we know how they operate so that we can get ahead of hopefully any of those kind of circumstances cuz really like my job as the manager or as the team is to like kind of know how you work to also know how to work with brands to work with you cuz a lot of times there will be certain brands or partners that they just don't understand it like yeah. they think that they're buying like your content almost like a work for hire and that's not the case i'm like yeah no 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 you're buying a section within the thing it's still our voice it's still our content and this is why it's successful so we got to figure out how to make this work but again that's why it's like i always be like where's the creative brief like what information do we have ahead of this to know exactly like what your guys's expectations are really for me when it comes to like let's say social media deals it's about like i want to know exactly the visual verbal requirements so i can see everything because that way i can see like how much messaging is there okay like how crazy is this how hard is this gonna be how can we like get ahead of this before we're too far into the deal so that it doesn't become a oh wait this isn't gonna work out for us or oh wait this brand isn't gonna listen to us and now we're trying to make it work but we're already like in execution and it's like too little too late you know so i think the long and short of it is preparation knowing your talent and just trying to manage on the front end. But then after that, it's a matter of, like, sometimes you got to be the bad cop, and you just got to, like, let people know what's up.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like what I always say, Jesus, take the wheel. Because, like, <laughs> there be, there could be times where the contract is perfect, but then, like, when everything's starting, it's, it's a hot mess.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And that's when, like, honestly, sometimes you have to come in and, like, start managing the other people. to like, figure out how to, like, help them help themselves or help them, like, do their jobs. And I honestly find a lot of times it's, like, just a lack of experience in some places because there's, like, so many brands that are, like, putting so much money into social media marketing, but they're, like, hiring people that are kind of, like, not trained and they're trying mm. to figure it out themselves. So it's, like, sometimes you can kind of, like, you can see that by just experiencing it and you're, like, oh, I used to work in an agency. Let me help you out here. You yeah. make it work, you know?
0: It's, like, help me to help you yes. so you can help me, like, you know?
1: <laughs> I always tell people, and, like, the way that I work is everyone at the end of the day is just trying to get home and get to their like home essentially. If they're at an agency, they're at a brand, they're like, they may like love their job, but they're probably like not living their dreams necessarily. A lot of times like they are a multifaceted person that wants to get to their family and that wants to get to their friends. So I'm like, how do I help you get to that job? Or how do I help you get to that goal so we can both be happy? And once I think that way, then a lot of times like the relationships on the brand side just become so easy because they see you as a tool, like not, sometimes they see, like, management or representation as, like, anything that impedes their goals. Yeah, or hindering. Or yeah. hindering. Yeah. But no, it's like you if you come across with a certain way, it's like you can still be very firm and you can fight and advocate for your clients, but you can also have great longstanding relationships and maybe even, like, help them help themselves, you know?
0: Honestly, Jake, I have I have to say thank you. You've been dropping a lot of truth bombs. And I know when it comes to management sometimes, you always, you know, the creators are the ones that are typically the most vocal, but I think this is just a lot of great insights for for anyone who wants to get a representation. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. And where can all the viewers find more information on you, slash management studios, your team as a whole?
1: Well, I had a blast. This was so much fun. Next time, maybe margaritas. Oh, yeah, it's (laughs) right here.
0: I got a spot for you.
1: (laughs) Um, But if you guys want to follow me, it's at Jacob Webb, J-A-K-O-B. And you can follow slash management and slash studios at slash underscore MGMT and slash studios at slash underscore studios.
0: That was, you got it. Yay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you again so much. And also thank you to all the viewers who are tuning in. Let me know in the comment section, what did you like about this episode? What was a real gem that you gained from today's episode? Let me know. And also make sure to tune into our episode next week. We have a great guest and a great topic. You don't want to miss it. Once again, my name is Aaron Ashley Simon, and I'll see you all later.